0: Good morning, welcome to Living Hope. Thank you to Scott, Mary, Annalee and Miles for leading us in music today. My name is Rich Schmidt, I'm the pastor here and uh, it's my privilege to welcome you to worship today. The Lord be with you. You know, that's the reason that we gather today, spread across all our homes and devices because God deserves our praise and he invites us to lift our needs up to him. Uh, The point of this isn't just to be entertained for 45 minutes or so, Uh, the point, the hope, is that we'll have an encounter with the living God, the God who made us, the God who loves us, and has proven that love in Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) I know this has felt like a a long, dark season to many of us, with the virus and the staying at home and the isolation, uh, but we're in the Easter season. I mean, we're just three weeks into it, still celebrating God's victory over sin and death and his gift of life to us. So let's continue that celebration in prayer and in song. Pastor Katie,
1: As we enter into this time of worship together, let us join in a responsive call to worship. Your parts will be in bold on the screen below. As we enter a virtual gathering space once again this season, we worship together in spirit and in truth, though not in person. We pray, sing, and listen to God's word, despite the fear that pervades our community. We trust Christ's peace, a peace given freely despite our doubts and fears. We know the Holy Spirit is among us, blowing with a hopeful wind of change. We feel the presence of Christ, the one who died and rose again and brings us eternal life. We submit to God's leading in this time of transformation. We experience the joy of this Easter season as we celebrate all God has in store for us. Amen. Amen.
0: Would you pray with me? God, uh, thank you for loving us so uh, overwhelmingly. Sometimes we can get so bogged down in our circumstances and the hurts that we've experienced and the stresses and anxieties of of our lives right now or in the shame and regret that we feel failing yet again uh, to live the life you created us to live. Uh, These things are real, God. I mean, we don't deny any of them. But today, we're, we're choosing to, to refuse to let those things overwhelm us or define us. Right now, God, we are shifting our focus onto you and to your amazing love for us. And when we do, God, it, I mean, it overwhelms us. It puts everything else in this new perspective. I love that line in the song uh, that we just sang. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that you love us. God, my regrets, and I give them to you, confessing my failure, and I receive from you grace and forgiveness. My anxieties and stresses, God, I I give them to you and receive from you a renewed sense of, of peace and security. My hurts, my circumstances, my needs, God, I lift them all up to you, knowing that you're the one who can heal us, who can meet our needs, who can transform our circumstances and transform the way we live within our circumstances. Thank you, God, for the chance to focus our hearts and minds on you today. Help us to continue to do that for these next moments and for the rest of the day, the rest of the week. God, we're asking this in Jesus' name, because it's in him that you've shown us your love. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. You don't know how much I'm looking forward to being back in the room with you, so I can hear you return that piece to me. Um, you know, speaking of that, speaking of that, uh, some of you caught the governor's address uh, the other day uh, as he laid out his plan for the, uh, the gradual reopening of Indiana. And uh, he had some specific recommendations for churches and other religious gatherings. And I wanted to tell you what, what we plan to do here at Living Hope. Uh, now, none of this is written in stone. All right, we're gonna stay flexible as things develop, but this is what we're thinking uh, would be good for next steps. Uh, we plan to continue doing services exclusively online, at least through the end of May. Um, in a couple of weeks, instead of pre-recording everything from home, like, we're doing, like I'm doing right now, um, we're gonna to try to shift to live streaming it on Sunday mornings at nine from the building. Um, we're gonna see if we can make that work. And if all goes well with that, then sometime in June, Uh, we'll likely begin inviting you back to the building uh, to worship there uh, with lots of changes, of course. Uh, At first, there'll be no kids ministry. We'll all be wearing masks, uh, making sure that we're spread out around the room to maintain the appropriate distance, that sort of thing. Uh, We know that many of you want to continue participating from home, and that's great. Um, Please stay safe. Whatever we do, we'll make sure that you can engage with the services online just as well then as you do now and uh, you won't be uh, a second-class citizen or an afterthought uh, if you're participating from home. Uh, Eventually, things will return to something like normal, but we really don't know when that will be. Until then, we'll do our best to keep you in the loop and to get your input uh, as we go along. Okay, so before we dive into today's message, I need to take 90 seconds or so to tell you about four other things. Uh, Okay, first, please take a moment to fill out a digital Connect card. Uh, the link should be in the description of this video or in the comments. This lets us know you're with us today, and it gives us a chance to pray for you, uh, to answer your questions, to respond to your feedback. So please, fill out that Digital Connect card. Um, oh, speaking of prayer, we'd love to have you join us tonight at 5 o'clock for a countywide prayer service. Uh, the pastors of all six Churches of the Nazarene in Porter County are coming together to lead us in prayer for our county and for the needs that you share. Uh, The link should be in the comments, and it's on our website at livinghope.info. Valpo Naz is hosting us, so if you go to valponaz.org, you can probably find where they worship online. And and that's where it will be, 5 o'clock tonight. uh, I'll be there with the other five pastors, uh, hearing from you in the chat uh, how we can pray for you and all of us together lifting up our county. Okay, number three, we wanted to remind you that you have a chance to connect face-to-face on Zoom on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. If it's been a while since you've seen a friendly face, uh, this is your chance to connect. The details for these and for kids and teens and their Zoom meetings are on our website. And last but not least, uh, you still have time to sign up for the Global 6K for Water. Now, due to the virus and everything, we can't have the big walk and run and party at Old Fairgrounds Park on May 16th. Uh, But you can still change a child's life forever by giving them the gift of clean water. Uh, You can sign up and learn more at valpo6k.com. And please don't put that off because May 16th is just two weeks from yesterday. Uh, all right that's it for announcements and uh, oh you know what I should also uh, say a quick word of thanks to those of you who have continued to give faithfully uh, throughout all this time Uh, thank you because you have been generous uh, we have been able to continue our ministry here and around northwest Indiana and around the world Uh, as people need help they let us know as people are able to give help you give so thank you thank you all right uh, so today, we are continuing our journey back to the beginning, uh, to the beginnings of our Bibles, to the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, and uh, we're looking at a story today that does so much to explain our human condition, the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, I mean, that's part of the reason these stories are in the opening chapters of our Bibles, really. They're, they're trying to tell us who we are, where we came from, uh, why we're here, and why we're I mean, why we're here, you know, like in this situation, instead of in a better one or a different one. You know, why is the world such a mess? Why do we find ourselves short of breath, short of life so much of the time? Why are relationships, especially between men and women, so dang difficult so much of the time? Is this what God intended for us? And if not, what on earth happened? Uh, Now, we've looked these past two weeks at images from the first couple chapters of Genesis. We haven't done a deep dive into every detail, of course, not even close. Uh, If we wanted, we could spend a month or two of Sundays just in these first few chapters. Uh, Today, we're looking specifically at chapter 3, but we have to back up a bit to know what's going on, especially for those of you just joining us. It's kind of like a TV show as previously in the book of Genesis. Um, So we'll go back to chapter 2, starting with verse 7, where it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. All right, so just in those few verses from chapter 2, we see that God gives us life. And he gives us his own breath to to animate our clay bodies. Um, He starts us off with his own breath. And then he has a plan for providing us with an ongoing source of life, this tree of life. And all the trees that are there in the garden that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And, of course, there's this one other tree uh, as well. There's just this one restriction that God gives us. Don't eat from that one tree Because it'll kill you. Seems simple enough, right? Eat from all these trees. Have life. Eat from the tree of life. Uh, Just don't eat from that one tree. Because if you do, you'll die. God's intention uh, was was for there to be an ongoing relationship between us where we stay plugged into him for life and breath and strength and purpose. God gave us work to do there in the garden to work it and take care of it, we read. Uh, Last week, we teased that out by reaching back to Genesis chapter 1, where it talks about God creating us, male and female, in His image, uh, in the image of God, uh, to rule over all the other animals. Um, Being made in the image of God means that we're to reflect His character and to represent His rule. We're partnering with God to manage and care for His creation, and we must do that in a way that reflects who God is, caring, compassionate, life-giving, creative, all of it. Now in chapter two, this all happens before God makes woman Eve. Uh, The next verse, verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And uh, we talked about this last week a little bit that what's pictured here is a relationship more of equals. Um, A helper is someone who is powerful, who is able to help, um, often used of God in scripture. Uh, But this is a helper suitable, a helper that matches, that's on the same plane, that's appropriate. It's kind of like looking at a left shoe and saying, Okay, that's not quite right. There should be, like, another one here. And that's what God sees, that Adam is alone, and there should be another. So, uh, so he ends up putting Adam under anesthesia or something, takes part of his side, forms a woman, brings her back to Adam, and he's, like, gobsmacked. He recognizes, okay, this, this one's like me, but pleasantly different, you know? Um, and so chapter 2 ends by saying, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. All is well in the world until the next verse, until chapter three happens. <laughs> now, here's where things start to get hairy. And even if you don't know the story, you can probably guess the main source of tension here. What's going to happen? Uh, it's that tree that we just heard about, the, the one thing that was off limits, right? How often is that the case for all of us, you know? Uh, That's off limits? Oh, that seemed appealing. I think I want to go over there, you know. Uh, That's what happened. Now, the part you might not have guessed is who it is that draws their attention to this tree. It's a talking snake. Weird element of the story. Uh, So chapter 3 begins with this. It says, Now the snake, the serpent, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, pay attention here just a little bit. The snake is being devious, being crafty, uh, but it's not all a lie. Listen to what it says next. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So their eyes were open, just like the serpent said, um, but we'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, right now, I want you to notice Things changed for them right away. As soon as they ate from this tree that God told them not to eat from, things began to change. Their relationship to their own body changed. Uh, All of a sudden, they were, like, noticing, oh, I'm I'm naked and feeling shame about that. Their relationship to each other changed. You know, they used to have no shame, totally vulnerable to each other. Now they're pulling back, covering up, hiding from each other. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, what could Adam have said right here? (laughs) Adam could have said, yes, I did. I'm sorry. But what does he say? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. You know, it it's her fault, God. It's not mine. Uh, in fact, you put her here, so it's, it's your fault too, God. He doesn't take ownership of what he's done. He just tries to shift the blame. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So everyone's shifting the blame. They're pointing fingers at each other any place other than themselves. And so then God has to lay out, well, here's what the consequences are then. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I'll make your pains and childbearing very severe, with painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken." For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now let's look at these consequences for just a moment. Uh, Relationships that used to be good now have become adversarial right? Adam was given the job of cultivating the soil, caring for the garden, and now that relationship is all screwed up, you know? He's still going to work the ground, but it's not going to come easy anymore. He's going to have to sweat, and it's not not always going to grow what he wants it to grow. It's going to produce thorns and thistles. He's still going to have to work for his food, uh, but it's not going to be good anymore. It's not going to come easy anymore. Uh, Eve was created so that she and Adam could be a matching set, equal partners, suitable for each other to help each other, but now it's a relationship of dominance and oppression, for each they're being curved back to where they came from. Instead of being able to focus forward on on following God together, they're they're looking back now to where they've been. You know, Eve was created from Adam's side so her desire will be for him and he will rule over her. Adam was created from the dust of the ground and, and so he kind of curves back to the ground. I'm I'm kind of picturing like a one of the many flowers that are starting to bloom in our yard, you know, and they, they sprout up, and if they don't have enough water, enough life, you know if they wither, they bend back down. Instead of reaching out toward the sun, they bend back down toward the ground they came out of. And that's kind of what's happening here. It's like Adam has been animated by the breath of God, and now it's like you're saying, oh, now that you're not looking to me anymore, now that you think you can do this on your own, oh, you're gonna crumble back down into dust. Now, the snake, uh, is said, will have to crawl on its belly after that, eating dust. And the relationship with the woman is bonkers now. And there's one little nugget of hope that we'll, we'll come back to. Uh, but first, there's one other consequence that's described in the next few verses. So let's just finish the chapter here. Uh, it says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he'd been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So among the consequences that we suffer um, is that we are cut off now from the tree of life, cut off from God and from his garden and from his. Uh, his perfect intention for our lives. Now we are out wandering uh, in exile from the land we were created for. Um, you know, we're going to go back and we're going to touch on some of the things from that story and where they connect with our lives for just a moment. But first, uh, I just want you to th- think for a moment. Uh, many people think that these stories uh, were written down or developed uh, during the time when Israel was in exile in Babylon. You know, they had been defeated by the Babylonians. Many of them have been hauled away as slaves to a foreign land hundreds of miles away from their homes. And uh, while they're there in exile, uh, this is where God sends the prophet Jeremiah telling them, look, I still have good plans for you, for, give you hope in a future. It's going to be a while, but, you know, so settle down here and, and um, you know, try to be a blessing to your neighbors uh, while you're here. Um, but uh, while they're in exile uh, for generations, um, I'm sure there are people that are growing up in exile and asking their parents like, why are we here? What are we, why are we in exile? Why aren't we at home back in this country that you speak so fondly of? If God is in charge and his temple is there, how is it that we were defeated? How is it that, that, did God lose? What happened there? And uh, these parents were explaining to their kids you know, look, no, it was, it was because of our sin, because of our disobedience. Had we trusted God, we would still be back at home. Um, but we didn't trust God. And so we have been exiled, been uh, uh, cut off from him. We've been pushed off the land and away from his temple. Uh, now, some of those kids probably would have said, well, that doesn't seem very fair. I mean, we didn't do anything wrong. Why are we having to suffer because of what you did? And uh, that's one way that we can read these opening stories of Genesis is kind of looking back and saying like, here's how we got here. You know, way back when Adam and Eve in the garden disobeyed God and because they did, now all of us live in this fallen world. All of us live with the consequences of their sin. Uh, the Apostle Paul picks up this way of reading it uh, in one of his letters when he says that, um, that through one person, through one man, uh, sin entered the world and through sin, death. Uh, and he uses that then to talk about Jesus and saying, so also through one man, Jesus, now life and grace and forgiveness have been offered to all people. Um, so just like that one man's sin impacted all of us, now this, this one man's obedience, this one man's faithfulness um, is now impacting all of us who will trust in him. So one way to read the story is to say, well, this is how we became exiled. This is how we ended up living in this, in this world where uh, our relationships are all messed up with each other. Uh, where the, the patriarchy seems to define the ways that men and women relate to each other, uh, where we can't even relate to our own bodies in healthy ways so much of the time, um, where we certainly don't relate well to to our work, to the ground, to creation, uh, to God, who we were created to be plugged into. Um, all of these relationships have been messed up, and that's why we live in this broken world, is because there's a history of brokenness that we are inheriting. Uh, We probably all recognize that that's just how the world works, right? I mean, we have all been impacted by the sinful decisions of others, uh, where someone was thoughtless or someone was selfish uh, or someone was just downright mean or evil, and and we suffer the consequences of of their sin. Um, That's what's going on in many ways in the world in which we live. Uh, Sin has a way of kind of snowballing, and the the impacts um, can grow from one generation to the next. Um, but there's another way to read these stories and that's that they are telling us our own stories Um, that uh, for that Israelite child who says, well, this doesn't seem fair that I'm having to suffer the consequences of yours and grandpa's and great grandpa's, you know, uh, sins. Um, Well, all of us are also able to look at these stories and say, ah, you know, that's what I do too. God provides me with so much and instead of acknowledging his blessings and living in a way that honors him and trusts him, I decide I know best. And I decide to grab for that, that fruit that is off limits, um, that forbidden fruit. Uh, I decide that I know best how to define good and evil, or I want to define good and evil for myself. Uh, and so I, I try to do that, and letting, instead of letting God define that for me. Um, I mean, in many ways, this is our own story. And each of us can look back to these stories of Adam and Eve and say, oh yeah, yeah, I've done that. Uh, Life was right there. And instead of choosing life, I chose something less. And I missed out on life. I missed out on something beautiful uh, because of my selfishness, because of my foolishness, because I listened uh, to a lie, because I listened to someone I shouldn't have, and I trusted someone I shouldn't have. Um, Maybe it was just me. I trusted myself and shouldn't have. Uh, I found myself in a whole world of hurt uh, that I didn't need to be in. Now I just was was giving one way of thinking of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, like this idea that this is me deciding I want to I want to decide for myself uh, what is right and wrong, what's good and evil, and so I'll I'll take that fruit instead of letting God provide that for me. Uh, that that phrase of knowing good and evil, or knowing good and knowing right and wrong, knowing good and bad, is used in other places in the Bible, mainly to talk about like young children. Uh, that something happens to them before they were old enough even to know the difference between good and bad, you know. Um, and so there's a sense in which Adam and Eve, humanity, seems to be in a, in a young kind of childlike state here. And so it's quite possible that, uh, that God is saying to them, look, this is something that you're going to get eventually. Eventually you will get wisdom. I will teach you wisdom. I will teach you how to discern right from wrong, good from bad, what is good for you and what is bad for you. I'm going to help you learn that but you're not ready for that yet, all right? We're getting there, uh, but you're not ready for it yet. You know, the, the Bible talks about wisdom as being a, a very good thing to be sought above, above all other things, uh, but it also says in a verse that many of you have heard before, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, um, that true wisdom begins by trusting God, letting him set the agenda for us. God doesn't want us to have to learn things the hard way. If we can help it, he wants to be the one to teach us to guide us in ways that He knows that we're ready for all along the way. Uh, my boys are, are four years old, and uh, they are eager to do all sorts of things. You know, they want to hammer the hammers, they want to run the lawnmower, they want to use the trimmer. They've been uh, they've been pretending to do those things as I've started to get those out now that the grass is actually growing, and uh, and so they love pushing the lawnmower around when it's off, of course, and uh, when the battery's out of the trimmer. You know, I let them kind of hold it and pretend that they're trimming. Uh, and I very much look forward to the day that I'm able to just say, yeah, yeah, go out there and mow the grass. You know, that's going to be a good day, uh, as long as they do it right. Uh, anyway, we'll get there. Uh, but they're not anywhere near there yet, right? I mean, if, if one of the boys, it would be Jonathan probably, were to sneak out into the garage and like, try to s- somehow start the mower, it would be possible, but um, because he wants to mow the grass all by himself, I mean, that would bring nothing but pain. You know, there is no way that's going to end well. And so perhaps there's an element of that going on in this story in Genesis chapter three. God loves us and he knows that we're not ready for that yet. He knows that it's going to be painful if we, if we jump to that now. Um, and so he's trying to get us to hold off until we're ready, until God knows that we're ready. And, uh, and when that time comes, he will provide us with that wisdom or with whatever that good thing might be. But if instead we want things on our timetable, um, when we want them, and we always want them now, right? Um, that some that often brings grief and pain uh, when we don't trust God uh, to lead us in a way that is going to be good for us, and that's that's kind of the, in my mind, the kind of the essence of the snake's deception. Um, it's not so much about what the impact was going to be of the fruit. He says, no, no, you'll become wise. You'll know good from evil. Your eyes will be open. And sure enough, their eyes were open. But, but he says to them, you know, God says, oh, that's going to kill you. And he says, oh, no, 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 you won't die. He says, you don't, you don't trust, don't trust God and what God has to say about this. Trust yourself. You can see it's good for food. You can see it's pleasing to the eye. You can see it, it's desirable for gaining wisdom. Um, go for it. God's just trying to hold you back. That's a lie that way too many of us have listened to along the way. So uh, just a couple of thoughts there uh, about <laughs> about this story and where it connects with our lives right now. Um, oh, I do want to say something about how God responds to all this. This is important. All right, so so Adam and Eve disobey. They eat the fruit and instantly they their eyes are opened, they, they become ashamed, all, this, all the relationships that we talked about earlier are messed up. The relationship to the body, relationship to each other, relationship to God, relationship to the planet. All this stuff is messed up. And God doesn't come thundering down out of the sky saying, I know what you did in blasting people with lightning bolts, right? God comes to them walking in the garden in the cool of the day, for their evening stroll, just like usual. The picture here is of a king walking through their gardens. The the only people who would have lush gardens back in those days would have been like a king as part of a royal palace. And that's kind of what's being pictured here, perhaps. And so as he comes to stroll through the garden with Adam and Eve, uh, they're not there. And so he asks, where are you? You He comes with questions, inviting response. He comes, gently, um, which I think is a beautiful thing. Because of course, God knew where they were, right? I mean, it's like, like I can see you behind that tree over there. It's kind of like my kid's trying to hide from me. It doesn't, doesn't work. Um, But he's inviting them. He's giving them an opportunity to respond, maybe to come clean, maybe giving them a chance to confess. There's a, there's a long uh, uh, discussion, debate, whatever, about whether or not that's what God is doing here whether or not Adam and Eve blow a chance to repent uh, here in this story. Where are you? And when he says, well, here's where I am, I, we hid because we were naked. Okay, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? And that's where they start pointing the fingers and shifting the blame. And he even asks Eve, you know, what is this that you've done? And it gives her an additional question, an additional chance uh, to come clean, to take ownership. Uh, that 's what God continues to do, even though God has to lay out consequences um, and here 's where I think sometimes we 've misread these stories um, or this story in particular. Uh, I think sometimes we 've read this story as god saying um, okay look here 's the rules if you follow the rules, you get all the good stuff if you can if you obey me, then you get to eat from the tree of life uh, if you obey me and do what 's right, if you can be a good person, then we can then we 're good um and then when we fail, God's just like, oh man, I told you, you're gonna die, so now I gotta kill you. you know? And it's, it's like God is gonna punish us with death uh, for disobeying him. And sometimes we have that kind of a picture of the story that's being told in Genesis 3. And I don't think that's the story that's being told. That's not the picture of God that I see in this story. I see a God who, who comes to them inviting response, inviting perhaps confession or, or uh, an opportunity for repentance. Um, I see a God who continues to be gracious, who continues to be good, even though he has to lay out the consequences and say, oh man, I I told you this wasn't good for you. I told you this was going to come with consequences. And he lays out what those are. I I don't see God as being like eager or excited to lay those consequences out. I I almost wonder if God's heart is breaking as he says these things, uh, knowing the, the pain that they brought on themselves with this. And even as he's laying out the consequences, when he's talking to the serpent and he says that um, you know, I'll, I'll make you know, your descendants and the woman's descendants, they'll be enemies. Uh, I'll put enmity here between your seed and her seed and, and, uh, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Uh, for as long as people have been reading this passage of scripture, um, from long before Jesus showed up on the scene, um, followers of God have seen this as a, as a hint that one day there will be someone, God will send someone who will finally crush the head of our enemy, the devil, who will finally crush uh, evil and stamp it out. Although evil will uh, have a chance to strike at him uh, while doing it, it's a sacrificial death. And that's what we see in Jesus. He gives his life to to defeat the serpent, to defeat our enemy. Um, So there's already this hint of a future redemption even as God is laying out the consequences. And then in the following verses, God makes coverings for them. He makes some leather clothes for them, apparently killed some other animals so that they could have clothes. And then even with the cutting them off from the tree of life so that they won't reach out to it and eat and live forever, um, some have even seen in that an act of mercy on God's part because now that the human beings have decided to for themselves, what good and bad are, now there is death. Now there is violence. In the very next chapter, we see the very first death that takes place is Cain killing his brother Abel. It's not God killing people. It's us. We bring the the murder, the violence ourselves. We bring it on ourselves. And here God is, it's like God is saying, oh man, I can't let them live forever like that. I I can't let that just go on and on and on. And so he, he removes the availability of the tree of life from us. Um, perhaps in order to, I don't know, like as a mercy, so that we won't live forever as, as violent, selfish people, so that God will have a chance to transform us, to change us, to transform our hearts. Then we can live forever with Him as we trust in Him, as someone finally comes along to do the humanity thing right. Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is the one uh, that the Bible says is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the one who, who perfectly trusts God all along the way. Uh, Jesus is the one who, who perfectly reflects God's character into the world and represents his rule, what the kingdom of God looks like. Jesus teaches it. He demonstrates it. And finally, gives his life to show us that this is what God is like. God loves us, sacrificially. God loves you. So much so that when he sees us stuck in the sin that we've we've committed, in our disobedience, when he sees that we we get ourselves in these horrible messes, having messed up every good gift that he's given. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't keep his distance from us. He doesn't throw a lightning bolt out of the sky. Uh, He comes to us out of love, inviting us into opportunities to respond, opportunities to come clean, opportunities to say, you're right, God, I should not have done that. Oh, you're right, God. There, that was a good thing that you wanted me to do, and I, and I didn't do it. You're right, God. I have missed the life that you created me to live. As we come clean, as we confess, as we admit those things to God, the Bible's very clear. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to be angry, uh, quick to forgive. That's the God that's revealed in Jesus Christ. It's the God uh, that we read about here in Genesis. It's the God that we're worshiping today. Uh, as, we, as we begin to pray, uh, Pastor Katie is going to lead us in a, in a short prayer of confession.
1: Let us confess our sins together and ready our hearts to receive God's grace. Lord, we confess that we suffer today because of sin, both the sins we have chosen and the sins committed against us. We have done things we should not have done and we have neglected to do things we should have done save us from ourselves save us from the forces of evil in this world we do not have the power to undo what has already been done so grant us grace to bear present burdens and courage to change things that can be changed teach us how to live as people prepared to die and dwell eternally with you, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us spend a moment in silent prayer confessing our sins before the Lord. Hear these words of assurance. Jesus has indeed come to save us and show us the way to experience God's love. Jesus will strengthen us to the end So we will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the good news. You are forgiven.
0: Oh, would you bow your heads with me? Let's continue to pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer to us as we put our trust in you, as we confess to you our shortcomings, our sins, as we give all of these things to you, God, as we just, decide that we can't hide these things, but we will we just admit them. God, as we come clean, uh, we find that you are the God who loves us, uh, who comes to us uh, with grace and compassion, the God who continues to walk with us and care for us, even as we suffer uh, from some of the consequences of our bad decisions, of the sins that we've committed. God, some of those consequences live on, but, but you are with us, helping us, strengthening us guiding us providing for us even in the midst of it we see that over and over in the opening chapters of genesis and we see it in our own lives god we are so grateful to you that our sin uh, doesn't end our story that our stories don't end with the death that we bring on ourselves but instead god uh, you invite us into this amazing life with you thank you god Thank you for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace that we find in him today. God, for some of us, we've been trusting you for a long, long time, and this is just our chance to once again come to you and and acknowledge our need of your grace and mercy and forgiveness. For others of us, God, this might be our very first time of, of thinking that maybe there really is a God who made me, who loves me. Maybe there really is forgiveness that's possible. Maybe I don't have to carry this shame and guilt around anymore. God, if there are any of us participating here today, uh, that that's where we are, God, I pray that you would help us to put our trust in you, to say yes to you, to today, reach out to you and find you to be the loving, gracious God that we read about in Genesis, that we see revealed in Jesus Christ, that we experience here and now today. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for the new life that we get to experience as we trust in you. Pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Thank you, God, for being with us every step of the way, no matter what we go through. We are not afraid because you are with us. Thank you, God. Continue to make your presence known to us today as we conclude this service, as we go our separate ways, Help us to know that the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who gives us his grace, God, help us to know that you go with us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to forgive us, and, uh, and even to allow your grace to flow through us into the lives of others. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Hey, if. uh